Let's do this. Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are reviewing Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yes. Guys, I really got smacked around a little bit with, with this movie. Because I was thinking, yeah, this is late 90s. I remember this coming. No, 91. 1991. <laughs> James Cameron uh, doing uh, some really advanced computer graphics with this thing. It's really groundbreaking. Uh, yeah. He, he'd done the, the prep work on the abyss and got to show off on this movie. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Very that true. Very true. Well, you guys ready to keep it 100? Let's do it. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. Okay, and I am first out of the gate. And I'm going to make this quick and easy. Um, I am <laughs> playing in my, my comfort zone here. So here we go. Um, the Runaways comics. Uh, I know that I know the show is not, you know, it's okay. It's super okay. Um, but the, I recently found the graphic novels on sale for nothing. Just it picked them all up in one go. And I was like, I'll get to those someday. And then suddenly I had the Runaways comics in my possession. It's like, well, I can't not look at these. And I'm completely sucked back in. And it's just such a such a fun series. Um, the characters are like right off the bat. They're very defined. Uh, very likable. But because Brian K. Vaughn is such a skilled writer, they can continue to develop and surprise you. Um, the overall plot is simple. Hey, kids find out all of their all of their parents are super villains. Um, what do you do with that knowledge? You know, it's but it's also like you know a metaphor for adolescence and growing up and growing. You know, separate from your parents, getting independent. So there's it's, it's a lot of cool stuff going on. Dialogue's fantastic. Art's a little quirky. You gotta get used to it. But it's so expressive that you, you once you get used to it, you're like, wow, this I, this is how I see these characters. Um, it actually was the art that drew me to Miss Marvel originally. Because Adrian Alfona was the same artist on those two series. Mm. Um, there's a lot of surprising moments, and it's just Brian K. Vaughn, probably at the at his peak. Um, an amazing story. I highly recommend searching out. Once again, they'll make you feel old. How long ago these really are. But the Runaways comics are, are well worth the, the, the time, and it's my recommendation this week. Cool. Now, is, uh, is this the same as the Runaways series? Uh, the, the, the TV show is loosely based on right. about okay. uh, the first season. is loosely based on about the first 18-ish issues. Okay. Um, but they, they tinker a lot with how the, the parents' scheme works. Okay. As in, it's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have that sometimes, as we're yes. finding out with uh, with comic book uh, yeah. franchises that are uh, active presently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Interesting history. I've heard good things uh, about both, actually. So I don't okay. think the show's bad. You can feel the third season like was rushed. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is your last season. We give you a little bit of runway to land this thing. <laughs> Time to wrap and, it up. And you, and you can feel the hurry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. 
my go right here. So I am going to go with some familiar territory too. Uh, I, you guys know my love for video games, especially Nintendo video games, especially classic Nintendo video games. Uh, here recently, a uh, game has been released, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So they take the massive world of uh, Breath of the Wild, made it twice as big with sky realms and underground realms, lots of new abilities and a very interesting storyline as Hyrule is coming back out of the calamity and becoming vibrant again filled with people so you have a lots of colorful characters uh, that you met in uh, Breath of the Wild uh, a lot of in the style of you know like an Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask really vibrant folks but the, the ability set just brings a whole world of possibilities you can merge weapons and items together to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And there is even an ability that you can ascend up through solid materials. And so the big rock monsters, you can actually ascend to the top of those to defeat them. So it's pretty cool. Pretty fun game. I'm barely into it, but it's it's a blast. So that's my keeping 100. Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. I'm proud that at, at our advanced age, you're still able to learn and play new games. <laughs> <laughs> learning, learning is a, uh, you know, it's, it's a thing, you know. <laughs> oh, I've heard really good things about both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. So, uh, you know, that's something I, I always jokingly tell my students when they're like, do you play video games? And I'm like, I don't have time. Yeah. Once I retire, I'll probably go out of this world with a controller in my hand. But, I, you know, at some point I want to play these. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a little bit of time now and again, you know, uh, no, nothing consistent. But, yeah, I'm barely into the beginning stages of the game, and we've had it for, like, two months now. <laughs> yeah. Get it. All right, gentlemen. So it brings it to me. I'm going to start my timer. So, you know, I've lost count at the number of years that I felt like I need to be a DC Comics apologist, especially in terms of their cinematic universe. But despite what you hear from the box office and certain fan sites, I'm telling you, Blue Beetle is the best entry to the DC stable of movies since Nolan's Batman. Now, that's some big shoes I know. But if my significant other walks out of the theater and goes, that is the best DC movie in years, that is true. All right. So this movie brings all of those things that makes Jaime Reyes such a relatable character. It honors the history of the Beatle with nods to both Dan Garrett and Ted Cord. The cast is great. You know, this is probably the best performance by George Lopez since he is actually doing the George Lopez show. Um you know, it's a great origin story. It's a great jumping on point for somebody who doesn't know this character. Um, you know, and it's something I think the heart that's been missing from a lot of DC movies. So don't sleep on Blue Beetle. It is well worth your time and your money. And that's why it is my keeping it 100 for this week. I have heard good things. Yep. I haven't heard yet. I'm not going to lie. I've been very... Uh, you know, reticent about it, but uh, I'm, that's that's a huge vote of confidence. If. I'm telling you, um, I've been really I was so pleased. And like I said, for us to come out of the theater and for her to go, that was a great movie because normally we come out of DC movies. And I mean, she's like, what dumpster fire was that? So <laughs> 
Yeah. That's that's not an 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 apt description of some of the movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was already on my list from some other recommendations. That's that when I mean, coming from you, that means a lot. So yeah. I'll definitely. Yeah. Yeah, move move it up the watch watch list. Check it out; it, it's really worth it. I was really pleased, and you know, I'm a huge <clears throat> Blue Beetle fan, so to see them go back to some of the history and show that stuff, that was cool. It's awesome. That is great, great news, great news. Glad to hear that. Well, with that shining review of that movie, and let's get into our review of Terminator Two: Judgment Day. As we said before, James Cameron's 1991 entry into this saga. Guys, I get to lead off. I was talking to, to a gentleman at work about this movie. I said, yeah, I said, you know, it's 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 one of the rare sequels that you could say is as good or better than the first. And he said, this might even be the best science fiction movie. You know, I've I've seen it. I'm like, that's a pretty astounding, you know, statement there. And then I thought about it, and he's not entirely wrong. You know, this movie takes the establishment of Terminator One and ramps it up, continues the story, and really puts a nice little bow on it. I'm giving it an A+. All right. You know, I, I think when I think about this movie specifically, you know, there are some movie franchises that are just classic in terms of the genre, you know, and especially nerd culture. You know, things IP pretty much like Terminator, Aliens, Predator, they're all things we grew up on and they've tried to remake and they've tried to redo and they've tried to do sequels and it's not always successful. But T2 for me is the high watermark for this franchise. Um, I'll address some of this later in my fans and pans, but um, I'm just flat out. I'm with Dwayne. I'm giving judgment day an A plus. No pressure on me. <laughs> <clears throat> I love this movie. Uh, it's incredibly rewatchable. Um, it's both um, on, at some level a smart uh, sci-fi movie, but also it's a really um, entertaining, like '80s style action movie. But with you know all the James Cameron, you know, touches. You know, we've got some really you know he's advancing the technology of filmmaking. Um, I'm going A plus two. I got to bring a lot awesome. of movie guys. Yeah, great. Oh, and, and it deserves it. Yeah. And I think that he may have done it twice. Because I think there's a chance Aliens is a better movie than an Alien. He may have made two sequels better than the original. Yep. Uh, I tend to agree. May, mayhaps so, sirs. Mayhaps so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move into our fans since we have so much love? Oh, let's do it. All right. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Sam, you're leading us out the gate. Okay, so here's the thing. From the beginning of this movie... T2 does exactly what a good sequel should. It plays on what we already know about the franchise, all of the cast of characters, but it reestablishes in a new place. And Cameron does this masterfully. But then he gives you the old bait and switch also. You know, we've seen the bulky T-800 transported to the past. 
the other trans, you know, the other traveler brought in, you know, in the original, what, Michael Bean. But for T2, we flipped that idea on its head. The younger looking character in Robert Patrick becomes the antagonist, where Schwarzenegger is the protector. So he's flipped what we saw in Terminator on its head. We get also see this change in Sarah Connor. You know, this totally establishes her and the difference from the first movie to the second one. This is a master class in what a sequel should be. Get off my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I wanted, I mean, I, you basically stole my, the, the point I wanted to make. But it even so, goes further, like, he makes, Arnold is this over, overwhelming presence in the first movie. In the second one, he's the underdog. Mm-hmm. Sure, Robert Patrick's smaller than him. He's stronger. He's more advanced. Yeah. And so he, so he, he subverts so many expectations. Uh, it's great. Um, so I got to go with a backup now. Um, <laughs> I, I think that one of the things that James Cameron is especially, he gets, he, he mostly is known now for effects, for developing technology, that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that, that Cameron is, I mean, very few at his level of this is pacing. Um, and this movie is known for like its its effects, the big action, but it is masterfully paced. So you so after every big you know action set piece, we slow down and we get a minute to breathe, you know. And and John has this you know has emotional moments with the Terminator, or you know they go meet Sarah and there's moments with Sarah. Uh, there's the moment with uh, with uh, the scientist family. I mean there's with Dyson's family. It's all these it's just these big, huge, emotional, powerful, brrr, and then we then we we dial it down. We get a moment to rest, and then we then we ratchet it right back up. And this is one of the best paced movies, um, especially of the, the sci-fi action genre. It's one of the best, I mean, examples of it, maybe ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, with that pacing, Jamie, I want to speak a little bit to what you said there. With that pacing, it really still, even in those moments that you're breathing, it still feels relentless. Oh yeah, this is an you still movie. know that yeah. this character is right on their heels. You know, yeah. uh, even even though they're having these these moments of respite and and growth and development and emotional uh, you know things there, uh, it is still so. You know, r- relentless. I guess is is, is the best yeah. word uh, for that. Um, I, I hated going third with this one because I knew you guys would have such <laughs> such great uh, fans here. And and you know, you, you both spoke to you know the, the technology, the story development, the 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 turning on its head of uh, you know the, the the antagonist to protagonist. But you know, uh, uh, during this time, nineteen ninety one. It was such a revolutionary thing, not only with the technology, but to have a strong female lead. You know, even though she's PTSD'd out, I mean, she's working out, she's preparing for the apocalypse, you know. But when you see Linda Hamilton, I remember it being such a big reveal uh, with the, uh, you know, premiere of this movie. You know, she, she comes out and she is ripped. She is like on, you know, level 20. And uh, that was so refreshing and, and establishing uh, I think in in that era to see a strong female lead is what I'm going to speak to for my fan. I, it was really something unique and special. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't unprecedented. We'd had Leia and we'd had Ellen Ripley, but she was gritty and grimy. Yeah. In a she way. Was, it was it was, it was a new. whole other it was a whole other level. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were yeah, that, there were precedent, but it hurt. She just stuck it up to twenty. Yeah, and it was still at that point in time. It was still an exception. You know, to the rule mm-hmm. to see a strong family right. like that in, in an action movie. 
Yeah, and, yeah, in an action movie especially. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of this may come back up a little bit later on. So. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Very possible. <laughs> well, guys, there's one place I know she wasn't. She was not in the kitchen. <laughs> so let's go get our pants. Jamie, I know you uh, said you had so much love for this movie. You were struggling with the pans. Well, here's a little bit of a peek behind the scenes. I watched this movie with two younger guys. Um, to, we, we, we've got a TV set up now at work, and we watch movies on our lunch break. And now they're both in their early 20s, and there were a couple of scenes where it... Now, a lot of times the effects still hold up. They still work. There's a couple where they were chuckles. <laughs> a couple of little moments they laughed out loud. And it's like, yeah, there's a couple of spots where it looks a little dated. And uh, the upgrades in modern TVs like will show things really that they didn't show before. Oh, yeah. So that, that doesn't help either. But yeah, this is just a few moments where the, the look of the movie is outdated. That's all I got. I love this movie. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of that and not necessarily the effects were so cool i don't know if cameron had you know went back and george lucas some things back up you know uh, as as technology goes forward but one thing that really brought me out of this movie was like uh, totally 90s it was you could tell it was set in this era which I, i you know i guess you're dealing with an apocalypse in just a few short years you have to establish the time frame, but uh, I could not get past the mullets, the dirt bike, the arcades. <laughs> I was like, oh man. And, and, you know, Ed- Edward Furlong's attitude, just, just that punk kid, you know, I was like, yeah, this is the beginnings of grunge. This is the beginnings of the punk <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I hate, uh, yeah, it's what it was. That, that kind of, you know, some of that attitude, some of that thing, I was just like, you know, kind of hard to look at today. But uh, that that was that's my pen, you know, not not even major. But so what what's really funny is you know I think all of us we we gave this movie an A plus, so it's like now we got to talk about what's wrong with it, and we've all just kind of danced around the movie, and I did the same exact thing. So my pen really is as much T two itself. This movie is an exceptionally well done sequel. But it does the one cardinal sin of franchise movies. It wraps everything up too neatly. Now, because of this, the uh, the next movies in the series, they're open to interpretation. What movies? They completely go off the tracks. Exactly. So this isn't Judgment Day's fault. It's not Cameron's fault. But the movies that come after this, if you want to even call them movies, <laughs> you don't even fan need fiction. them. Watch one and two and stay. There you go. Stay away from the fanfic. That's my <laughs> only pain I have. <laughs> I've, I've got one little thing that I've wondered about over the years. So part of the plot of this movie is they find Arnold's arm and chip from the first movie and they develop all this technology. Right. Well, if you... If you really remember the last fight scene, Arnold has to leave his arm in those gears. So was that was that Cameron leaving a plot hole, or was that a little bit of wiggle room they should have used for the sequels? Right. I, I, I wonder if that was intentional or a plot hole. I've, I've wondered. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's that's true. That that could have been uh, you know left there just to open, yeah. to keep the crack in the door. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so funny. There's so there's so little to to to, to nitpick on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's that. let's continue the love with some awards. Warriors come out to play. All right, and I get to uh, to lead off with best performance, and and I know Samia earlier had spoke about. You know, this is going to come back up later. So this this is the later. Um, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, uh, I think, has had given the best performance in this movie. Uh, you know, her character is a complete transformation from T1, um, a complete redevelopment. You know, she she chose the PTSD that shell shock the the hopelessness of the world ending in a time when we didn't really have that language to speak of uh, you know the, the PTSD stuff um, that that a lot of our, our our action guys deal with now she you know physically transformed herself she really like you see she left everything on the table uh, for this role, she she left nothing back, so that's that's going to be my uh, pick for best performance would be Linda Hamilton. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Um, like so, I said it was coming back. Uh, she really deserves this, you know, to see the the development of Sarah Connor from Terminator One to this. It, it's such an interesting character study. You know, she is the OG Mama Bear, right? But she has become so hyper-focused on preparing John for this destiny that it almost puts puts a, a bridge between them. You know, it puts that wedge between their relationship. Mm-hmm. But she's doing that out of love, out of preparation, out of, out of all of these things. You know, and it's, it's just, I mean, she's such a, just a, a, a deep character, I think. And, and just her motivations are pure, but it's it's such an interesting twist. When you compare it to T1. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the right answer. And she's, she's, she's amazing in this movie. And like, it was, it was interesting, like watching the, the younger guys I watched the movie with react to her. They're mm. like, man, she's a lot. Yeah. Sarah Connor is a lot. But uh, I, I want to highlight, I, I, during the point of like watching this movie, I feel like on a deep dive, like a, a rabbit hole, learning about things Robert Patrick did to prepare for this role. And like he he learned to sprint without you know without losing his breath for long distances at full speed. And then he taught himself to do it with his mouth closed and breathing only through his nose. Mm. And so those aren't multiple cuts like where he's slow. Like he could just do that. He learned how well, to do that. He could just full sprint for who knows how long, breathing only through his nose. So it looked like a robot who wasn't actually breathing. And he had gotten so good. At that, that full at that sprint, he was gonna be running through the whole movie basically. So he yeah. learned how to. They had problems with the motorcycle scenes because like he was on foot chasing John. He kept catching the motorcycle. <laughs> 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 and, and so like, I mean, it was just it was interesting. Like, look, the the level of dedication that he put into becoming the T one thousand was was pretty impressive. So I want to give him a nod for that. But Linda Hamilton is one thousand percent the right answer. Yeah, yeah. Neither answer is wrong, but yeah. Well, next All step right. is best scene, Sam. Yep. Uh, okay, so best scene. Here's the thing. One, in doing this review, it really hit me that this movie's 32 years old. So so that that hurt in itself. 
But despite that fact, I still feel that T-1000 rising up from the checkerboard floor in Pescadero Hospital is still cool. To this day, it still looks good. That scene to me still holds up. There's just something unnerving about just that scene and, and the way he morphs up from the floor. You know, I mean, that just highlights almost like this sinister nature that this unfeeling T-1000. I mean, I mean, I mean think of it. He's, he's pretty straightforward, but there's just something sinister because he can change the way he looks. There's just something a little bit more than just Arnold's, you know, with the sunglasses and, and the sawed-off shotgun in the first movie. <laughs> so. Well, and anytime you see him when he's not emulating a person, he's the silver liquid. He's mm-hmm. he's the pile of mercury. Yep. In this, he actually you know takes another you know whole other pattern. Yeah, that 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 was definitely on my short list. Uh, mine is the steel mill fight. Uh, it's just awesome. I mean, it's and it's so it's just. I mean, it's something before about being relentless. I mean, there's no there's no let up in that scene. Yeah. And the tension just keeps ratcheting up higher and higher and higher. And then you get emotional at the end when you realize Arnold's going in the, he's going in the lava or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you see everybody's reaction. Like even Sarah is sad to see the Terminator go and John's falling apart. It's just a powerful moment. Yeah. yeah I, I love that scene. And and the fact that he cannot self terminate, you know, he, he, he can't just push the button himself. Yeah. You know, somebody has to do it. Yeah. It's a pretty good line there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm going to uh, at the uh, to to not do what I what I do sometimes is let's pick a whole segment, you know, like the like like per se the freeway chase in the dark, you know, <laughs> from, from the opening credits <laughs> to the closing credits. <laughs> but uh, best scene. <laughs> yeah, but during the freeway chase in the dark, you know, when he gets in the helicopter, when he f- comes off and lands on and goes through the hole in the windshield. Mm-hmm. That was just so cool. And I remember, you know, I remember seeing that for the first time and just, oh my God, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that happened, and how that happened. That was just so cool. But yeah, that whole, you know, uh, part there is great, the whole freeway chasing the dark. But that, when he goes into the helicopter, is my best scene. Yeah. Jamie? This is tough. Um, I'm going to go with the T 800. Um, it's interesting because I, I think Arnold is is funny when it's understated, like over the top. You know, like it, it's he can be too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's got some, he gets his moments where he's like learning lingo from John, and like, it, and and you and you see these moments where he where he's like, you can see like emotions starting to develop in the in the machine. You know, he's not just a machine anymore. And you see the the way I mean, even at the end, like when he's if if the if the machine had been given tear ducts, I mean he'd been <laughs> you know, he'd been crying, you know? And and just to see that development and to see the way Arnold plays some of those those moments of connection with John and um and the way that Cameron let him develop and had him develop throughout the movie. Um I, I really like that character. Yeah. Yeah. And his explanation of, you know, I'm, I'm a machine, but I learn. And the more time I spend, the more I, you know, can adapt and know these things. And to see that progression as a machine is really cool. But I'm going to raise you a 800 to 1000. 
<laughs> I, I love I, lo- I love the, the T one thousand because as as a character, and you're just like, what can this thing do? What is it capable of next? You know, uh, mimicking voices, mimicking appearance, uh, you know, hiding on a floor, uh, going you know through the being blown to pieces and then reforming itself. The the pressure that you feel from this character toward our you know heroes in this movie uh, robert patrick the t-1000 was brilliantly portrayed and conceived i love that character okay well i guess i'm going the t-1000 also and i know this is a little bit of a cheat um but i just thought that to see the evolution from the t-800 to the t-1000 and the way that, you know, as far as the movie frames it, the way that Skynet has kind of upgraded, updated. It's almost like, it, and almost it's like Skynet becomes my favorite character almost. Because it's like, it decided, all right, we tried this, it didn't work, we need to upgrade. And, you know, like AI, you know, we, you know, that we still have fear of, um, Ergo, I tell my students all the time, Skynet is real. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's that that evolution of, I guess the 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 robotics, the the artistry, you know, all of it kind of works together with T one thousand. So it just kind of it fits, you know. And, and Jamie, you were talking about the T eight hundred though. Um, I, I wanted the 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 Voight comp test to be given to uh, Arnold. So. <laughs> <laughs> That may uh, we, we've got a draft that may uh, be referenced again later. Oh, it yeah. could be. Some, sometimes he drops. Yes, yeah, it just he drops. depends. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel the tension ratcheting up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, glad I get to lead off with best quote because there's so many memorable quotes in this movie. Uh, you have the 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 one-liners you have, you know, in-depth look at you know, personal growth. But but one of my favorite ones, uh, John Connor says to uh, the Terminator when he sees the kids playing with the guns, he says, "We're not going to make it, are we?" And the T-800 says, "It is in your nature to destroy yourselves." And that's just so poignant, and you know. Uh, what are we even fighting for? What are we trying to save? But then there's the beauty and humanity that we see through this movie that uh, I, I really like that quote. You want me to go, Sam? Go for it. Go for <laughs> it. I'm just interested to see where you guys go. I've got a couple, and we I almost where you go. We almost should have done two awards the best, like, meaningful quote and the best one liner. Right, right. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with one of the Sarah Connor voiceovers. And uh, I think Cameron used them sparingly, but to very good effect. And this was, this was my favorite one. She says, watching John with the machine was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop, would never leave him. And it would never hurt him. Never shout at him or get drunk and hit him or say it was too busy to spend time with him. He would always be there and would die to protect him. Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine, was the only one who measured up in an insane world. It was the sanest choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Poignant line, right? Yeah. 
All right, guys. So I, I'm going to pull a little of a cheat card here because I did choose a one-liner, but I also chose another line. So I, it's almost like I have an honorable mention, okay? <laughs> the one I really wanted to go with, and, and then I'll go back to the honorable mention, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and apologize to our listeners as well as, as my hosts here because I can't say this without <laughs> pulling a, the voice out the best I can do it. So here we go. I know now why you cry, but it's something that I can never do. <laughs> right. I mean, it and, and that voice, that accent, but it still hit home and it still just makes you kind of, you know, get a little dusty. I, I, I like that. All right. Honorable mention. He'll live. <laughs> He's the guy in the knee. <laughs> I told you not to kill anybody. Yeah, live. Hunters <laughs> is uh, is when he goes to Sarah when he first is rescuing Sarah and she's still freaked out because it's the Terminator. You know, right. come with me if you want to leave. It's just so upside down. You know, yeah. from what her her experience should have been and just mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, the terror she had there. Well, since we're all throwing out honorable mention, I'm going to throw out one, too. <laughs> this is great. You know, this is great life advice for everyone. You know, John Connor says, you can't just go around killing people. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, okay. I think we need to add another award for uh, Sammy's uh, um, impressions there. Sorry, sorry. I, I can't I can't help it. I just I, I have to pull some of that stuff out. So. Oh, love it. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to I think this is Jamie's favorite part of the show. Jamie, I know you're a, a list maker, a top five kind of guy, so let's start our draft of best robot cyborg droidish thing. All right. I didn't think I was going to have to go here first, but I'm going here first. Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Okay. Snapped. I'm going to pull that one off the list. <laughs> pull that one off the list right there. Yeah, it was on the, it's on the short list. Well, I'm glad I'm going next because I'm just going to go ahead and throw out the Iron Giant. Oh. oh. Marking that off Ow. my list. Yep. I, I knew the snappage would be brutal. <laughs> that was my it. next. <laughs> I mean, snappage would be brutal. Oh, all right, guys. If 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 I if I'm going number one, I've got a transforming rollout. I'm going Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, well, guys. Same has caused me pain. I'm going to bring the pain now. Oh, I know where you're going. The entire genre of Dalek. Oh, there we go. <laughs> exterminate. 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 I left you one Doctor Who off. Yes, I, I still have that on here. <laughs> well, guys, you know my love for Star Wars and that little trash can of R2-D2. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I swerved from R2 just, just to be... Thank you. <laughs> just, to, just to go, you know, he is the droid Dwayne was looking for, so I knew that. So, all right. So, um, number two, I'm going to stick to my roots. So, I am going the Borg from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Yep. 
going to go with a more recent one. I'm going Baymax. Big mm. Hero 6. Ooh, good one. like it. Taking it off my list now. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I've already made a reference to Star Wars. So, 1979, kind of a Star Wars clone before Disney actually owned Star Wars. I'm going to go with Maximilian, the robot from the black hole. Ooh. The big rape. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like it. All right. Now we've got to think which way to go. You go with the heart. Do you go with the funny? Right. You, you got to figure out how to go with the draft here. Um, I'm going to go with Marvin the Paranoid Android from Hitchhiker's Guide <laughs> to the Galaxy. Marking that off my list now. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I've got at least three left that I really want to grab. Okay. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Agent Smith for the Matrix. Mm. Uh, I thought about the Matrix one because this is is it. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'll will about that definitely. <laughs> if well, definitely by the sequel. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, let's see here. I'm going with Bishop from Aliens. Ooh. Good one. Good one. I like it. Alright, yeah, yeah. I've got that one also. Alright. Mark and Bishop off. Alright, so I'm gonna go hard now. I've I've got top three that I think think represent so i've got to throw k9 in from doctor who and that's probably not where jamie thought i was no. gonna go but i love k9 um, love him <laughs> i thought for sure you were gonna drop cyberman on here yeah yeah i almost did that way i decided to swerve Awesome. Oh, um, okay. My oldest daughter says this count. I'm going Alphonse Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. Mm, yeah. The soul of a boy gets put inside a suit of ar- armor. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going Alphonse Elric. Uh, I'm, I'm game. I can see that. I can see I that. Like it. And it opens my list up a little bit more. So it's like me and me on here. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm going to go with an iconic uh, robot from my childhood. Uh, a, a television series that I absolutely adored and fell in love with. Love, love the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica. There you go. The, 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 the Night Rider. Uh-huh. The visor. visor. Yeah. All right. So last pick, gentlemen, for me to kind of round this out. Um... I've got to go the Vision. I've got to go back to my comic book roots. Yes. i got to go the yeah. Vision. Vision. Yeah. All right, guys. That was a brutal draft. <laughs> All right. we got to do it. We've got to do it. It's time to bring do out some honor- yeah. Too many honorable mentions. Oh, Too yeah. Many. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Too many. Jamie? Um, Evil Bill and Ted. From Bill and Ted's Bogus <laughs> Journey. <laughs> yes! Almost right. <laughs> I totally forgot about this. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Uh, K2SO, who's, my, who's actually become my favorite Star Wars droid. I love yes, K2. Yes, K2 is, uh, K2's great. Um, IG-11. Yeah. yeah. He was on my list, too. Yeah. Um, Alita yeah. Battle Angel from, from the manga. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. What about, um, what about HAL 9000? Yeah. 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 Uh, I also have Johnny Five. Yeah. Short Circuit. I thought about Johnny Five, yeah. I go Johnny Five. Well, if you're going Johnny Five, you got to bring up Wally. There you I, go. I have Wally on my list. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Twiggy from Buck Rogers. Yep. Yep. Oh, deep cut, gentlemen. Bubo from Clash of the Titans. Yes, the owl. Yes, the little owl. Oh, nice. Well, you know, there's a little there's a little movie that came out in early 2000s about robots that I'm. A lot of people really didn't give a lot of love to, but I, I, I actually adore the movie. Will Smith's iRobot. I love Sonny. Yeah, uh, right. you, you bring Alan Tudyk in anything, I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. Sonny's great. All right. Any, any others you guys want to throw at the fan? I, it's a stretch. Uh, I don't I don't think mechs counted, but I love like Gypsy Danger and those kind of mechs from like, Pacific Rim. Yeah, like the Jaegers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, and even with comics, you could, along with Vision, you've got Red Tornado, uh, the Sentinels from the X Men. You know, I mean, you can you can go a lot of different ways with that. My oldest said, "Well, it's a cyborg draft. You have to draft cyborg from the Teen Titans." So. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where he would turn up. I was wondering where he would turn up. Vic, Vic would work here. Vic would work here. Well, guys, we've we've uh, we've drafted, we've connected all of this stuff. So let's go ahead and connect the heart and soul of our show. One dearly beloved Keanu Reeves. I mean, I know he's you know terminating all these programs in the Matrix. How does he connect to the Terminator universe? Well, he is connected, and actually, thanks to the size of this cast and the prominence of the people in this movie, I had several options. But here we go. No, you don't, Dwayne. <laughs> oh, you're going no. another way. No, I went obscure. Um, sometimes people both are who they look like and are not at the same time. There's one of these enigmas in this movie. There's a man who plays jock number two in this movie. He's the guy Arnold lifts up by his hair after he tries to come and help John. The man who plays jock number two is primarily a stuntman. Which you would expect from a guy who looks like a guy who would play jock number two. It's a very physical jock. And he looks perfect for the gig. He's been, he's been in a lot of very prominent movies as a stuntman. There's a lot of good work. The Blind Side, Zombieland, American Gangster, Remember the Titans, Hannibal, Die Hard with a Vengeance. He's done a lot of really high-profile stunt work. He has also done the very different and much more complicated job of stunt coordinator. He's been the full-on coordinator for for movies. So not, not as prominent movies. I'm not going to list their names. But he's been the guy who was in charge of all of the stunts for the movie. Very different set of skills. Very different. Not the guy you would think would be playing jock number two. <laughs> so this muscle-bound genius of stunts crossed over with Keanu as the stuntman in, I think, one of Keanu's most underrated flicks, Chain Reaction. Deep Gus cut. Williams. Gus Williams played stuntman in Chain Reaction. He had no role. He was just doing stuntman. <laughs> Gus Williams was jock number two in Terminator 2, one of only 13 actual credits for acting he has. 
Well, for a very, very long cruise. Gus Williams is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Kaboom. That is very interesting. I thought you were going a completely different way. Uh, Joe Morton has, like, I think he's been in, like, two things with Keanu. The guy that played uh, uh, Miles Dyson. Mm-hmm. I, got the, I got the name wrong, didn't I? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Scientist guy. The guy, who, the guy yeah. who's faulted all this. Joe Morton. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Good job. All right, guys. Well, that was our review of Terminator 2. So beware of the machines. Watch out for the AI. Don't feed it. It will come. So, Sammy. As Sammy said off the air, Skynet is real. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Who wants to pitch what we're doing next? Uh, well, we are venturing back to the land of t- TV-ish. Is streaming TV? I think there's a <laughs> debate to be had there. Um, but we're going to watch. Um, in two weeks' time, we'll be reviewing the first four episodes of the Ahsoka show on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Or Rebels Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I will have. There will, there will be lines of thought that will be discussed very much along yeah, those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ahsoka is uh, the most recent Star Wars uh, addition to the Disney Plus streaming catalog. So you can definitely find it there. The episodes are being released every Wednesday. So catch up with us and come back in two weeks for our review. And as we prepare, Jamie, what are we going to do? Oh, I wish I could do accents. We'll be back next week. <laughs> as we okay. get nerdy. Hasta okay, la vista, baby. <laughs> Sammy, what are we going to do till we come back? We'll be back. Hasta la vista, baby. 